I have a scripture reading out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, He has dispersed abroad, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now may He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. May God bless the reading of His Word. Amen. How many of you have ever swam against the current? You've, you've been swimming and you've gone upstream. How many of you have ever swum against, been swimming against a hard current? Raise your hand. Thank you. Yeah, several of us. Um, second question, how many of you, I like this one better, how many of you have ever been bicycling and you've gone up a big hill, very steep, just gasping for breath? Yeah, okay. And uh, lastly, how many of you have ever hiked up a mountain? You've been hiking on a mountain trail. Yeah? All right. So most of us probably have gone against the grain in some way where it really pushed us. It was difficult. It exercised us. It was hard to do. This morning, um, if you're adverse to pain, if you don't like those kind of experiences, you may find this one a little bit painful because we're going to swim against the stream of culture. All around us, all the time, in a capitalistic, materialistic society like ours, we are constantly pushed to get, 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 and then get some more. It's never enough. We have to get some more. And this morning, I'm going to push against the stream of our culture and challenge you to give. Now, I must say, I make a concession to a cultural icon, so I'm borrowing from David Letterman today. And uh, I happen to think he's a very funny man, and his top ten things are oftentimes quite humorous. So I said, David, I think I'll just borrow from you, and I'd like to give the top ten reasons to give. And you may have a sheet there somewhere, and you may want to follow along with the top ten reasons to give. But uh, actually, as I was making my list, I came up with about 20 or 30 reasons. And I realized if you made a list, they might be a little bit different from these, so these are not, you know, solely the right ones or the best. But I will say this. In this top ten list of giving, I think we're starting with number ten, and number one is more important than number ten. So we're kind of going to go from maybe the more, uh, the lesser items to the more important items. But I'd like to talk to you about the top ten reasons to give. And I want to do that actually out of the Bible. So if you have a Bible, I'd like you to find it and go to the New Testament. There may be one in front of you if you don't have one. And we're going to start in the book of Acts. And we're going to speed read Acts, at least a couple chapters. We're going to start in chapter 2. 
And I'm working up to something, so stay with me for a few minutes, and you'll, I think, get the connection with Acts and 2 Corinthians. In Acts chapter 2, of course, the church is born. And at the end of Acts chapter 2, in verse 44, we read these words. All who believed were together and had what? All things in common. Interesting. There was a lot of fellowship is the word. There was a lot of sharing going on. The word fellowship means sharing. So everybody was sharing lots. Now, chapter 2, let's go to chapter 4. End of chapter 4, verse 32. So we, we take a snapshot of the early church. They were sharing everything. In verse 32, it says, Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul. I have to stop here. Oftentimes we make jokes and say, well, the first church, the first Baptist church of Jerusalem, you know, we like to pretend like the first church in Jerusalem was a Baptist church. Well, this kind of proves that it wasn't, because what does it say? They were all of one heart and soul. Couldn't have been a Baptist church. I don't know what it was. I wish it were a Baptist church, but uh, I don't think so. Um... Another version says they were all of one accord, which is the first mention of Hondas in the Bible, but uh, that's something else. Dan says, move on. So anyhow, the believers were of one heart and soul. No one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. Interesting. There's verse 34. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them, and brought the proceeds that were sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to everyone or each as they had need. Now, this is a pretty amazing passage because it says in verse 34, what? There was not a needy person among them. Wow. Can you imagine? No needy people. Now, let's go over to chapter 6. We're going 2, 4, 6. The beginning of chapter 6, verse 1 now, during the day, those days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a lot of growth is going on, the Hellenists complained, <laughs> it's moving toward becoming a Baptist church, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. It's now, you, all I'm trying to demonstrate is the church is changing. As it grows, it's changing. And you have this enormously wonderful period when there are no needy people in the church. Amazing. But now in chapter 6, there are some needs. It's changed. There are needs. Now let's go to chapter 8. 2, 4, 6, 8. And in the middle of the first verse, we read these words. That day, a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea. And I simply, again, want to emphasize the change that's going on from a church where there's nobody who has a need. There's this enormous uh, fellowship going on and sharing. And now they have complaints and now they have needs. And now actually the church is being scattered. Now, what happened was, if we went on in this history, is that the mother church, church in Jerusalem, was came under great persecution and was scattered and became very needy. Now, as you go through the book of Acts, you know that as Christianity expanded around the Mediterranean, the Apostle Paul was the prime missionary, preaching the gospel, starting churches. 
uh, going back to check on those churches, writing letters to encourage those churches. Christianity was growing. It was booming around the Mediterranean. What was happening back at home? Well, back at home, the needs were growing and growing. And so the Apostle Paul said, you know what? Uh, we, those outside Jerusalem, we need to collect a gift for our mother. She's in need. And so Paul began writing and speaking to the churches and said, you know, we want to raise some money for the church in Jerusalem. And as he goes around, he appointed a group of people to collect that money. He even said, have the money ready when I get there. It was a big, big deal. And as we begin to go now to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, which is where we're going to sit the rest of the day, in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, you have the, the best chapters in the Bible on money and on giving. And I want to talk to you about giving today. To swim against the current of our culture, which says, take, take, get rich quick, and let's talk about giving. Now, chapters 8 and 9 are just amazing chapters, as the Apostle Paul talks about how he's going to collect this money. And the background is that he's written to the Corinthians already, and he said, I want you to get the money ready. And then he writes again and says, I'm coming, and have you got the money ready? And in this chapter, he actually begins to say, you know, I went to one church, and here's how much they gave. By the way, what are you in Corinth giving? Oh, you know, you're a rich church, Corinth. The church that I'm talking about is really poor. And here's what they gave. And so he actually tries to motivate the Corinthians by comparing their giving to the Macedonians, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. And I want to now base some of these top ten reasons for giving in chapters 8 and 9. We're going to jump around a little bit. I hope you'll read the chapters for yourself to get a fuller understanding. But uh, one of the reasons to give, in fact, reason number ten is this. Someone asks you to give. The Bible says on the first day of the week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. That was Paul's instruction. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7, But since you excel in everything, see also that you excel in the grace of giving. And then Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Give to everyone who asks of you. Give to everyone who asks of you. Now, Paul in, the, in this context, is actually asking the church in Corinth to set aside extra money, which is going to go to help the Jerusalem church. That's what he's talking about. This morning, we begin what we call, as American Baptists, our WMO, or World Mission Offering. And these are gifts that we collect that go towards mission work around, around the world. In just a moment, at the end of our sermon, you're going to see a video with a few-minute clip of Kit Ripley. She preached here about a year ago. And Kit is one of our American Baptist missionaries in Thailand. She's doing an amazing work of working with young girls and women who are in the sex trade industry in that uh, country and helping them come out of that industry and be able to make a living for themselves, to be educated and take care of themselves. And that's what she's doing along with many, many other people. And so I want to ask you to give to the World Mission Offering. Now, our goal as a church is uh, $10,000. A couple years ago, we doubled that. We gave twice that amount. I don't know what will happen this year, but I pray to God we at least give 10000 So, this morning, I'm asking you to give. You may want to give right now. There's an envelope in, the, in, the, uh, in front of you that has the World Mission offering. But actually, better than giving today, I think you should pray about it and say, what would mean, what would be a sacrificial, generous gift? What would help me excel in the grace of giving? Think it over, pray about it, and give your gift over the next couple weeks. 
So I'm asking you to give to, to the World Mission Offering. And the reason number nine, number ten is someone asks you to give. Reason number nine is giving helps people. And Paul, in twice in this section, says uh, that they have an eagerness to help. He commends them for their eagerness to help. says, I really want to give. And I want to encourage you, as you think about Kit Ripley, you're going to see videos, hear stories over the next couple of weeks. We're not just giving because the pastor said give. We're giving because this $10,000 is going to be mailed to our headquarters in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. And international ministries, they won't take any of that money. They pay their bills another way. 100% of it is going to go overseas to help our mission partners, to help doctors like Bill Clemmer in Congo to help servants like Kit Ripley, to help church planters, to help educational places like the Kaufmans that were here a few years ago. They're now serving in Europe, training pastors and church leaders. So our money is going to go to help people. And one reason we give is to help people. It's very simple. Now, number eight, uh, giving brings God's blessings and protections. Now, this, this is an interesting one, and I'd like you to read the scriptures with me. I'm going to put up a couple of scriptures. The point is giving helps bring God's blessing and protection. As you give, I believe God blesses you. Let's read 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, another scripture. This is from the book of Acts. Paul's writing about something Jesus said. Let's read. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give. Now, some of us are a little afraid about talking about being blessed if you give because there is in our culture, and part of Christianity is this idea, the more you give, the more you're going to what? Get. And so some have abused this to say, you know, if you just give a lot, God's going to give you a lot and you'll get rich. And so it, it becomes twisted into some kind of scheme for prosperity. I don't want to go down that road because that, that, that's an abuse. But on the other hand, we should not shy away from the fact that God blesses those who give. Why did Jesus say it's more blessed to give than receive if there's no blessing in giving? There is a blessing in giving. And I want to encourage you, one reason to give is simply to say, I love a blessing. I love God's protection on my life. And I don't think I need to go any farther on this point. You understand, you've given, and you've been blessed by giving. And so, that's just a reminder to most of us that it, God uh, giving brings God's blessing. Now, number seven. Ah, I like this one. A pastor would. You made a promise to give. How many of you are members of First Baptist Church? Raise your hand. Okay. Raise it up high here. You're a member of the church. Okay. Thank you. Now, why did I have you raise your hand? Well, those 13 people who are joining our church today went through class 101. At the end of that class, we said, if you join our church, we want you to covenant with us. You need to agree to this. You're going to support the church in several ways. One of those is financially. In other words, we expect you as a member to give your money to this church, generously, graciously. And in fact, in class 201, we talk about the habits of healthy giving or uh, tithing as a 10%. And so Joyce and I, as a member of this church, we're going we're gonna to give our offering today, our tithes and our offerings, because we've promised to do that. And if we don't do it, we're breaking our word to God and to this community of faith. Now, some of you came into the church long before Class 101. I don't know what promises you were 
making or what was asked of you, but many of you have been gracious enough to go through Class 101 anyhow, so you know what we're talking about. And part of the reason for giving, reason number seven, you made a promise to give, and so you give. Now, that flows into number six. Reason number six, giving expresses love for the vision of our church. Would you read these words with me, the words of Jesus that I mentioned a moment ago at the baptism? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Would you read that again? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And then on your worship folder, we don't have this on the screen, but if you have that worship folder in front of you, it talks about the purpose of First Baptist Church. It says the, the purpose or mission of FBCP. Would you read those words with me? The mission or purpose of FBCP is to make disciples who love, worship, and serve God. Let's do it again. The pastor messed up. The purpose of FBCP is to make disciples of Jesus. Followers. Man, i got to practice better. Let's do it again. Sorry. The purpose of FBCP is to make followers of Jesus who love, worship, and serve God. Thank you. That's our vision. I believe in that vision. I realize that as I give my offering today, it helps this church do her mission, and that's why these folks were baptized and others are joining the church, because we're here, and we're not here by accident. And I believe in what we're doing. I wish we could do it tenfold more or a hundredfold more. I believe in the vision of a church. Now, I realize when we talk about giving, some have talked about the me generation and we're self-centered and all of us struggle with that. But maybe it comes easier for me to give because I grew up in a family where, you know, you get an allowance and you do what? You take some of that allowance and you give it to the church. You go to Sunday school and you give your offering. I grew up doing that. So I never knew about a home that didn't give. In fact, a number of years ago, my mom and dad were working for the Union Rescue Mission in downtown L.A., And they would rather I didn't tell this story, but, you know, I'll get in trouble later. Um, They were working for the Union Rescue Mission down downtown L.A. Now, you know everybody who works for a Skid Row mission drives Mercedes, right? Well, not exactly. So you don't make a lot of money if you work for missions. They were living at Southgate at the time, and they were going to a church that was really growing. It was doing a great job of reaching their community. And, but they were kind of landlocked. The church was in an area that had houses all around and they had no room to grow. So what did they have to do? They had to buy the houses so the church could keep growing, so they could use those houses, either tear them down and build the building or use them for Sunday schools or something like that. So the church had this big drive on to buy another house, and they needed more money from the members. Besides their additional giving, they had this special offering. Now, my folks didn't have any extra money to give. There was no slush fund to pull money out of. And so my dad, and, and I grew up in a family that loves cars. My grandfather loved cars. You know, we're kind of like cars. My dad had bought a, a very expensive car. It wasn't a Ferrari. It was a Ford. Uh, you remember the, uh, what do they call those? Uh, Mavericks. A Maverick. You remember the Mavericks? Anybody own a Maverick? Yeah, several of you. Well, he had bought a Maverick new, and it was just, it was fairly, still fairly new. And he said, you know, if I sell the Maverick and buy an older Ford, I can give the difference to the church. And that's what he did. Now, that's called sacrificial giving. That's being generous. That's figuring out a way to give even more than you've been giving. So I grew up with that kind of example. So when I preach to you about giving, it's something that I've experienced all my life. I've seen my parents do it. 
And I want to encourage you, I believe in the mission of the church. That's why Joyce and I give all we can to our church. We give to other stuff, too. But the lion's share goes here. So giving expresses love for the vision of the church. Let's move on. Number five, give because you have received. Give because you have received. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3, we read these words. Who would... Uh, we're on number five. Got that? And let's read this scripture. Who would stand up and read this scripture? Okay, Rachel. Yeah. I wish we had a lot of time. I love 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. What Paul is doing, and some of you would, would not approve of this, I'm just saying Paul's doing it. Paul actually takes the example of the Macedonians in chapter 8, a very poor group of people, and he says to the Corinthians, here's how they gave. They gave all they could. In fact, they gave more than they could. And then he turns around and says to the Corinthians, what are you going to give? He's comparing the two churches. Now, that makes you uncomfortable, but it wouldn't be unlike me standing somebody up and saying, well, here's what she gave. What are you going to give? I mean, that's what Paul did in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I just encourage you in giving because you have received. The reality is that some folks say to me, Steve, I can't give. Why not? I don't have any money left over. Uh-huh. What's the problem? Well, my bills are too high. Yeah, and so you can't give. Well, whose, whose fault is that? God's? You see, the reality is that one of the reasons Pastor Eddie is going to be pushing the good sense and we are going to encourage every member to go through good sense is because that helps us manage our money like the Bible teaches us to manage our money. And then we can give. Then we have the ability to be generous. And I want to encourage you in that this morning that uh, you will be able to give because you've received. Now, number four, generous giving is countercultural. Generous giving is countercultural. I love this statement. Generous giving breaks grips, greed's grip on your heart. One reason to give is because it breaks grips, the grip of greed on your heart. When I write out these checks, it's not uncommon for me to think, wow, you know, I could, I could lease a pretty nice car for this amount of money every month. Or maybe I could, you know, do something at home. Or maybe I could buy a plasma TV. You ever think like that? You're, you're more Christian than I am. You wouldn't think like that. But you see, as I give to the church and as we total up that giving every year and look back, we say, wow, what would this amount of money done? I could have spent it here or there. And so by giving, I'm disciplining myself not to be stingy and not to be greedy. And I need that discipline. I don't know about you. But it just breaks the grip of greed on this old sinful heart. So it helps me not be stingy. Number three. Number three. You want to hear the commendation of the God you love. We are told that um, someday we're going to meet God. God's going to review our lives. And the scripture talks about the story where Jesus says to some of the workers, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. I really do. I don't want to hang my head. I don't want to not be able to look God in my eye, in the eye. Now, the reality is that I was born here in the United States of America. What a great place to be born and grow up. I mean, just think of the, the bounty of living in this country. It's amazing. It's amazing just to be born here. That's a huge gift. 
Secondly, I grew up in this amazing family. I don't have to overcome abuse or separation or all the heartbreak that many kids deal with. I grew up in this wonderful, loving family. That's a gift. Thirdly, I got a free education for 13 years. That's a gift. Not only that, I could go to schools that weren't that expensive and receive more education. That's a gift. All these blessings, these gifts have been poured into Steve. What do you think God's going to say at the end of the day? Steve, I gave you a great country to live in. I gave you great parents. I gave you a great brothers. I gave you a great home, a great education. What did you do with it? Well, God, I bought a new car every two years. I had the latest iPhone and iPod and, you know, I, I, I. I don't want to say that. I want to hear Jesus say, Steve, good job. You've invested the gifts. And so I want to hear the commendation of God at the end of the day. And that's a big deal to me. And that's why I give. My money and in other ways. Now, a couple others. Number two. I think we're getting down to the best. Number two, the one who gave the most teaches you to give. Would you read this scripture with me? It's a scripture about Jesus. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And then in the, at the end of these two chapters, Paul's written about money for two chapters, and he wraps it up with this statement. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And he's talking, of course, about Jesus. I can't believe all that God's done for me in Jesus. And Paul just says, thanks, thanks. And so as we look to the one who left his glory in heaven, came to the earth, died on the cross, went back to heaven, he gave all. And as I follow him, not only in baptism but in lifestyle, why would I hold back? My teacher has demonstrated his love and I need to give, just as he does. And then the last reason, I think it's number one. Giving expresses your love to God. Giving expresses your love to God. The scripture says this, Paul in chapter uh, 9, verse 8. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Now, that's a huge statement. We've already referred to it a little bit. But Paul says, I'm going to look at how much you gave, and I'm going to look about how much she gave, and I'm going to compare the two, because that is one way to test your love. I've never had the courage to do this, but I read of a pastor one time. He said, ushers, please come forward. And the ushers are standing there. They're going to take the offering. Bow your heads, please. Let's pray. And so the pastor prayed, Lord, no matter what you say or do, here's what we think of you. Let's take the offering. (laughs) Now, that may be a little too crude for you, but how do you prove your love for God? How do you demonstrate how much you love God? One way is by the amount of money you give, by sacrificial, generous giving. It's that simple. Now, another scripture uh, Paul says is having given themselves first to the Lord. And as he talks about giving, and I want to conclude here, Paul's really talking about um, the giving of money, how much they're going to give for this offering to the Jerusalem church. They did collect the money. They took it down to Jerusalem. They blessed the church. It was a big offering. But he says, you know, first of all, these Macedonians, this poor church who gave so much, first of all, they didn't give money. They gave what? Their heart. And this morning, if you've been sitting there and you say, I'm really not into church, maybe you're a guest here for the first time, or you're you're just kind of exploring Christianity, we don't want your money. Please, we really don't want your money. 
We want you to give your heart to Jesus because that's where good giving starts. It's a heart matter. It's a relationship with Jesus. And as you give your heart to Jesus, as you receive the forgiveness of sins, as God begins to work in your life, then you say, Lord, I'd love to give. And the giving flows out of that. So I want to encourage you that, uh, like the song says, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Have you consecrated your heart to Jesus? That's where giving begins. I want to encourage you, as we come to the World Mission Offering, what will you give in addition to your normal giving to the church? And will you think about what would it mean for me to be a generous giver, to, to swim against the stream of our culture, and to say, I am a giving person. And one way I do that is through money. There are, of course, many other ways. I've written a prayer. What I'd like you to do is to uh, look on that sheet of paper you have. We're not going to put the prayer on the screen because we're getting ready to show you this video. But if you would stand with me and let's read this prayer together. It's printed on your insert uh, where it begins, Lord, I would like to be a generous, grace-filled person. Let's read that together. I'll give you an opportunity to stand up and find that on your handout and we'll read. Lord, I would like to be a generous, grace-filled person. But all day long, I see the ads for iPhones and cold stones, for a trip to Hawaii or a plasma TV. Get, get, get is all I hear. So I begin to believe that by getting, I will get happy. But today, Heavenly Father, I turn back to you and away from the greed and selfishness and coveting. Lord, would you forgive my stingy ways and help me become a generous giver? I'd like to know more of your joy and blessings of giving. Lord, I give myself to you. Use me and all I have for your kingdom work. In the name of the one who gave all for me. Amen. Amen. Please be seated.